welcome to Prio's Peace in a Pod. My name is Indigo Trickhauger, and I'm a communicator at the Peace Research Institute, Oslo. My job here is to help researchers convey their work. Usually that means talking to the media, politicians, other stakeholders, and colleagues. With this podcast, that means talking to you. Can we predict conflicts? Where they will happen and how intense they will be? Yes, to some extent. Conflict forecasting has used statistical models and large amounts of data to yield information about where violence will take place. And that information is very valuable. If we can accurately predict conflicts, we can provide insights to stakeholders involved. But those models aren't perfect. They need new data and updating, they aren't very good at predicting escalation from no conflict to minor conflict, and they struggle with narrowing down the subnational area where conflict will happen. So Priya researchers decided to try something new. The Conflict Cartographer Project is supposed to fill those gaps and make conflict prediction more accurate. It's currently in the experimental phase, but the researchers involved are hoping their work can lead to more accurate conflict forecasting. The project is led by Siri Olsrustad, who I'll be talking to today. She's the research director of the Conditions of Violence and Peace Department at PRIO, and also leads the larger Conflict Trends Project, which collaborates with the Norwegian Ministry of Foreign Affairs to answer questions relating to causes, consequences, and trends in conflict. Welcome to the podcast, Siri. Thanks for coming on to talk about your new project, Conflict Cartographer, Conflict Expert Prediction in Africa. It's super interesting. I've gotten to see some behind-the-scenes looks at the website and the app. Um, So why don't you just start by telling us what is this project? What are you doing? So the conflict cartographer is really uh, an experiment at the moment, but we're trying to uh, use expert predictions to say something about whether we will see conflict in the next three months ahead. Um, So it's we will ask uh, people who have intimate knowledge about conflict countries where they think we will see conflict within the next three months. So starting off today, people can predict conflicts for April, May, and, and June, basically. So it's it's really just a conflict prediction crowdsourcing, trying to gather as much information as possible from people that know uh, countries specifically. Um, so the aim for this is to try to improve what is already being done on, on prediction of conflict, which is up until now um, mainly been through machine learning and statistical, quite advanced statistical tools using collected data. Um, And so far, it seems that we do get some pretty good results and are able to predict some conflicts, but there are certainly some holes and some challenges with this approach as well, which we are trying to accommodate basically with this approach. So yeah, why is your approach special? So it's... um, Two of the main challenges with using with the conflict prediction as it is now is that uh, it's dependent on on collected data that we need to know uh, what causes conflict and and we need to have to be able to predict into the future. We need to know what kind of happened yesterday to know what happen happens tomorrow. But as it is right now, we don't have the data for yesterday because it takes time to collect data. So the aim is to then use experts and ask them to say something about based on what you know today what do you think is going to happen tomorrow so it's kind of bridging this whole of lack of data uh, sort of immediate data that is that is one challenge 
Um, and the other is that uh, while the current conflict prediction is quite good at predicting where we will have conflict, there are certain conflicts that are not able to predict, such as Syria, for example. And the reason is that it's hard to predict um, certain political changes, like the Arab Spring. We couldn't see that uh, in the data that we had. Um, but if we ask experts who have intimate knowledge about countries, they might see or sense things going on in the in the country that they then will be able to transform into the predictions that they they are doing for us. Uh, and and that might make it more possible for us to actually predict those what we would call black swans, those conflicts that we didn't see coming because we are not able to pick up the underlying political changes. So, of course, anyone can say that they think that a conflict is going to happen somewhere, but is it really possible to be accurate about these things? I mean, um, whether with conflict cartographer or with other approaches before, how accurate is it? How And how is this also used by policymakers? So it is possible to predict quite a lot. Uh, we, we know that the, the best predictor of conflict is previous uh, conflict, uh, but it's also possible to, to use sort of um, data on uh, social economic um, uh, variables to say something about where we will have conflict, also about regime stability. Uh, so we can we can certainly say something about uh, about this. And some of my colleagues just uh, published an article about um, prediction for the last ten years, showing that it is actually quite a lot of um, uh, they they are able to predict quite a lot of the conflicts that are going on. That sort of ten years ago they were predicting conflicts going on today, but with exception from conflicts like Syria and Libya. But on the other hand, they were able to predict Burkina Faso sort of the conflict between Mali and Burkina Faso. Um, so it is certainly possible. Uh, and then, yeah, why is this useful? Well, we know that peacekeeping is um, is helping, can prevent uh, people from being killed in conflict. It could lower intensity. Um, and if we are able to, to tell people where where the conflicts will happen, we might be able to deploy peacekeeping earlier and we might actually be able to prevent conflicts or at least lower the intensity of conflict. But all of this is, of course, sort of contra-factical, historical, because it's we, we wouldn't know if we, how it would have looked if we hadn't deployed peacekeeping. Uh, but it is a useful tool for those making these decisions to know where we might expect it. And we do know that a lot of um, national um, governments and, and foreign ministries are now developed their own um, prediction uh, tools and these early warning tools to be able to uh, give information to the decision making makers of where they should deploy. So I kind of have a question about maybe the possible misuse of this type of prediction, because I'm just thinking about maybe a minority report type of situation where uh, if a if a country or an area is predicted to have conflict, are there any concerns about organizations misusing that as a sense of, for example, 
maybe not wanting to invest uh, in that country or or um, take their industry to that area, um, which then possibly could make the situation worse. But like you say, it sort of leads to a counterfactual type of situation. I don't know if this is something you've seen or, or uh, if it does has already happened, but is that something that, that you've thought about or that concerns you at all? Um, certainly it could be, uh, be an issue that when, when predicting that some areas would look um, risky. But I think that a lot of the companies, if we're talking sort of about investment, uh, already do risk assessments. Um, but they do that, I think, on a much higher sort of uh, resolution. So they would say that this is a conflict country we want um, invest in this country. But what we do is is more subnationally. So we would also predict where in the country you would see the conflict. So it's, maybe it's possible to then say something about where in the country it's possible to invest and where it might not be. A good idea to invest. So, yes, it might um, make some companies avoid certain areas, but it could also sort of open up uh, and showing that the possibilities to invest in these countries there are possibilities. You just need to avoid the worst areas. Um, but but of course, all types of data can be misused. Uh, so it's. Uh, it's our job then to be clear about what this is actually showing mm-hmm. and that these are predictions. Um, it's like the weather forecast, right? That's, uh, that's also predictions. Um, and we can't, uh, we, we still do them, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, thanks for answering that slightly challenging question. But uh, I think it's kind of interesting to, yeah, to think about how people might, might use this information, but also like you say, for good, absolutely as well. Um I just wanted to ask you really quick because in the in the project title, of course, you say you're focusing on Africa. So, can you just talk a little bit about um, why that is, and if you have any plans to expand it any further? So, as I as I said in the beginning, this is all an experiment uh, to see if this type of conflict prediction crowdsourcing is actually possible, and if it's possible, can we? Uh, how can it be used? I mean, should we just uh, uh, use it as uh, to, to show where these uh, um, predictions are or could we put it into a statistical analysis all of this is just we'll just see how we can can use it uh, but we started with Africa because we had to sort of have a smaller area um, there are quite a lot of uh, countries in Africa that have had conflict and also our aim is to to be able to give feedback to people participating in the uh, in the conflict cartographer by uh, showing them how accurate they were able to predict the conflict. So um, the um, UCDP conflict data are um, uh, producing conflict event data um, monthly uh, for Africa, and that's why we chose to start with Africa. Um, they are now expanding their conflict, monthly conflict updates globally. Uh, so we would be, we would love to have this prediction tool uh, globally. And it shouldn't be a big problem to scale up uh, when we have the, have the necessary data to do that. 
um, our main challenge is to have people participating, basically. Yeah, and so before we talk about actually the participation and how that's going to work, um, yeah, can you just walk us through exactly what what happens with this data? Because I mean, people are going to go on the app and they're they're going to put in their predictions, but. Um, before we talk about that, what actually then happens with the data? What do you do with it behind the scenes? Or And of course, you have a, a whole team as well. Um, but what happens in each of these these cycles that you're going to be looking at? So when we've collected the data and then and I can go through the data collection afterwards, we, uh, we get a map with a lot of areas where, where people would think uh, we have conflict. Some will overlap. And that might suggest that these are areas with more um, more conflict. Um, so what we do is then, then we gather all of this information into one map uh, and we overlay it and we see where, where are the most uh, vulnerable areas uh, for conflict. Where is the areas where more people think we will have conflict? Uh, and then we can, so the first thing we can do is basically just do a, a map visualizing where these areas are. And the second thing we can do is to compare this with when we get the data from the UCDP data uh, collection, we can compare that to what actually happened and see how accurate are we able to predict. Um, so this is useful both both to make sure that what we're doing actually works or sort of is there a point to what we're doing uh, and the second is also to to give all those who um, help us with the prediction an idea of how well they're doing uh, how well they understand and the situation um, and maybe they can and then hopefully when they then uh, do the next round of predictions uh, they can adjust themselves by thinking oh maybe that wasn't maybe I wasn't thinking the right way last time maybe maybe i maybe there are different factors that explain the conflict than than i was thinking so we hope to use that as sort of a, a way for the predictors to tune their predictions uh, and then in sort of maybe in the even further future we are hoping to be able to use these predictions um in something called a bayesian analysis as a prior to this sort of basically as a variable in a statistical analysis and, and uh, see if that's possible. But that's sort of the next step for the mm. project. And I had the privilege to be one of the guinea pigs for the app. I'm not an expert uh, of any country in Africa, but I was was helping you guys to kind of see how to make it work even better as a user. Um, and it's really easy to use. So uh, when you go to the app, uh, which is, uh, and then you choose the countries that you you are feeling comfortable with predicting. Uh, you're asked to draw like a little polygon or like a, a little area on the map uh, where you think you will have conflict. And these you can draw as many as you want or as big as you want. And then when you've done that, you will be asked to uh, say whether you think this area will experience in the next three months. Um, low, medium, or high intensity conflict, um, and we do link it to battle deaths uh, somewhat to give people an idea what we mean by low, medium, and high. And the and the second um, factor we would like to have people uh, say something about is how confident they are that this will happen. So 
if you're like, ah, oh, there might be something going up, going on in the north of the country, then maybe your confidence is low, so you'll add like a 20% confidence, or you know for sure that there will be conflict in this area, then maybe your confidence is 90%. And that will help us also to um, tune the tune the predictions about uh, where we will see the conflict. Uh, and then when, when all of this is um, uh, added, um, the, the predictor just click submit and we will have the data. And it's possible to go back and predict more countries if they would like, um, or come back and, and do something later. So uh, our aim is to do these predictions four times during the year. What we're starting today is the second round, basically. Um, and then the aim is to predict for three months periods. And then and the predictor, predictors now have a month to do the predictions. And the reason why we only allow predictions to come to be done one month ahead is that uh, the, the entire idea here is that we, we want to try to catch these underlying political changes. So if you're predicting for the entire year in January, a lot of stuff can happen throughout the year until December. So that's why we need to sort of, what is it that we know a month ahead of these three months that could actually affect the conflict? Ideally, I mean, we could do this monthly, but it's uh, it's challenging to to find people to do this, uh, and we don't want to overburden people with uh, predictions all the time. So I think doing it four times a year might be a good good period and good sort of interval for that. We've talked a little bit about how it works, but who are you actually looking for to take part in these predictions? Because uh, the word expert. Uh, some people consider themselves experts. A lot of people don't. Uh, a lot of academics I know sort of have the curse of knowledge where they they say that they're not an expert. And in fact, they know a lot about a subject. So so who are you looking for to actually uh, predict these conflicts? Yeah, no, that's a that's a really good point that you're making. And it's so basically it's open for anyone. And that's, of course, challenging because you don't know who anyone is. Uh, but the reason is that we really want, we, we have a very broad uh, description of um, expert. So an expert is anyone who basically have more than average knowledge of a country. And that doesn't have to be an academic. It doesn't have to be a professor. It doesn't really have to be, it has nothing to do with your position. It has to be to do with your knowledge. So it could be an MA student who's writing a thesis on a specific country, I'm pretty sure they have more intimate recent knowledge about a country than their professor do. It could be journalists who work in the country. It could be people just, you know, who live and experience the country. But anyone who who has a little bit more than just the average knowledge of a country can participate, basically. And, and that's really important for us that while we call it expert, it's it's really not experts. And if you think you know a little bit about the country, you probably know quite a lot. So we would like anyone to participate. And it's, it's also hard because there are some countries that a lot of people know stuff about. And then there are some countries who we don't like, who, who we have very few people who know anything about. For example, the Central African Republic. It's a really understudied country. 
So we need to sort of find people who know things about all of these countries. So it's um, we have a, a low threshold, uh, but I think that's necessary, both for um, creating a critical mass for the predictions, but also because I think that's where the information is. Well, I hope that everyone who's listening to this will consider whether they could possibly be an expert under this definition and maybe check out the project. And you can do that by going to prio.org and we will have a news item about conflict cartographer, but you can also just search for conflict cartographer uh, as a project on the Prio website. Thank you, Siri. Thank you. Thanks for picking Prio's piece in a pod. To find out more about conflict cartographer, visit our website and consider adding your own predictions to the project by going to conflictcartographer.prio.org. This podcast is a production of the Peace Research Institute Oslo, PRIO, located in Norway. For more information, visit PRIO.org. Editing, recording, and hosting by me, Indigo Trick Hauger. Music by Martin Nullum.